So hi and welcome to week 13 of the Edinburgh Health and Wellness podcast. I've got a special guest here today, uh, Gillian. Hey, how's it going? So this is such a funny um, little podcast. So me and, um, me and Gillian have met, what, once or twice, three times? Yeah, before? a couple of times, I think, through CAM on Cannon Street Yoga Studio. Yeah. 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 Um, and Gillian just reached out to me last week and I was just saying, like, the last couple of weeks I've had quite a few like thoughts where like I want to get much more back into health and wellness since changing jobs a few months ago and do more yoga and stuff and then I was like oh what a nice email to get to say yeah. let's do something yeah so essentially what we want to do today is talk you through what Gillian does and then um I don't know we're going to probably go on a bit of a tangent about food I'm sure body yeah confidence yeah. all the fun stuff um and it seems like we don't know each other that well so I think we're probably gonna have a lot of stuff in common yeah um so let's start with what what do you what do you actually do and then how did you get there? Okay, that's a big question. I know. <laughs> to start off with. So I was born on. <laughs> yeah. So um, I currently am a um, intuitive eating health coach and body positive yoga teacher. So I kind of um, split my time kind of fairly evenly between those two things. Um, I qualified with my yoga teacher training a couple of years ago now um in Fife and I moved here about 18 19 months ago and started up my body positive classes which was really born through um my health coaching clients who if anyone doesn't know what intuitive eating is um you may not know what intuitive eating is <laughs> so um I'm well just, into it yeah so just to to give you a bit of insight with that so I I help women um, really heal their relationship with food and ultimately their, their bodies and themselves, their relationship with themselves. Um, so it's an anti-diet approach to wellness. It's it's very much kind of trying to take control back from dieting, from meal plans, from fitness trackers, from all the kind of external um, things that we feel that we need to comply with or follow or be told yeah. what we should be doing like so particularly with food like what we should be eating when we should be eating how much should we be eating and rather than taking guidance from ourselves in a, a kind of intuitive way we look for this kind of external regulation mm. um so and we know that's destructive like certainly yeah. certainly um the women that I work with are chronic yo-yo dieters, which was me for a long time, um, which is why I got into this work. And, and the more that I work in this space, the more I realise how many women suffer oh, yeah. from this. And and it's just varying degrees, right? It's just a spectrum. Um, and for the most part, what I find is that uh, women who have a kind of turbulent or broken or toxic relationship with food it generally starts from not having a massively healthy relationship with their body. Oh yeah, that's oh amazing. So yeah, yeah. I think I vaguely knew that's what you did, but that um, that's nice. Thanks for cementing it. Yeah. So uh, fascinating because we were just a minute ago speaking about before we started recording that I used to be a personal trainer, and the majority of my clients. So I'm going to pick a stat. Probably about 90% of my clients were female who had some kind of issue with food. Yeah. And their body. Like, yeah. So, strange relationship with food, um, or broken relationship with food, whatever you want to label it, but um, not necessarily what I would deem as a healthy relationship with food. Yeah. And uh, and their body as well. Yeah. And 
yeah, it's fascinating. And also that's the, the background. That's the reason I went into personal training is because I, yeah, whoa, name a diet. I tried it. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, and I would still say I, all of us, so such a journey. Mm-hmm. But I'm still trying to like pin down what works long term. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, I, I think it's just a process, right? You just like keep peeling away at the onion and you think you've kind of surrendered one aspect of mm. things and, and you see there's a whole other layer underneath of things yeah. that ultimately things that you're trying to control that's what oh, it yeah. comes down to like oh yeah trying to control your body trying to control how your food looks like and then you dig a bit deeper and you're like why and it's because we just want to control like we want to feel safe and loved and accepted mm-hmm. and you just follow the thread down that path and see it's all just about trying to control outcomes which ultimately we can't do like no matter how perfect our body is or no matter how you know what weight we are or what our food looks like we can't really control how other people see us but mm-hmm. I think that's a big kind of social mechanism that um plays out in mm-hmm. this work. Yeah. So, yeah oh there's so many things I wanted to ask you there but one when you said about the social aspect that's such an interesting thing there's I don't know I've, I've had so many conversations with people about things like fat shaming skinny shaming because obviously fat shaming has been a thing for a, a couple of years now yeah. um and then now it's like skinny shaming like if you can if you're not allowed to do that you're not allowed to do that mm-hmm. and realistically the whole idea is like let's just stop judging each other yeah but it's really hard like a really hard not to, like, in myself I find I do it to other people mm-hmm. and when, whenever I find myself doing it like I wouldn't do it obviously out loud but in my head I'm like oh what's that what's that um it's almost always a mirror yeah isn't it like yeah. if you if you're noticing something in someone it's usually actually in oh, yourself totally I couldn't agree with that more it's like I was having this conversation with a client last night that essentially what you're talking about is like your own internalized fat phobia mm. right oh yeah so if you are and, and I, I and when I say internalized fat phobia like I'm not I'm not majorly judging you or me. Like, we all have it. We oh, yeah. all, we are in a culture that is fatphobic. So it's just to what degree, um, you know, we've, we've kind of worked through that stuff. Um, but as I said to this client last night, like, you cannot be fatphobic towards others and not be fatphobic towards yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like, you. it doesn't work that way. It's like, yeah. it, if you are judging other people based on size or shape or weight or... Or, or they're like how quote-unquote healthy they are or what their food's like, you're going to be making those same judgments yeah. towards yourself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just a, it's an interesting thing to notice because that's, that's really what it plays out. It's hard mm. to kind of see that within yourself, but you're mm. right when you see yourself sort of judging others or, as you say, looking in a mirror or a shop window, having those judgments about yourself. Yeah. It really comes home. Totally. Yeah. It's yeah. so fascinating. So the one thing that I... Um, so all around the fat shaming thing, right? You've just said they're quote-unquote healthy. Mm-hmm. And this is one that, as a PT... I think is always going to be something different for every person. Yeah. Um, however, I feel like there are some things that, well, you might agree or disagree with this, about yeah. food in general that yeah. I think should just be a basic mm-hmm. in ev- or should, should is a bad thing to do to people, isn't it? Could be a basic in yeah. everyone's diet. Yeah. So like, you know, eating more veg. Yeah. Pretty much. I don't think I've ever met or had a client who I don't, I think it would be dangerous to stay, eat more vegetables too. Yeah. Like in this modern world, like, pfft, Yeah. What and then also a lot of women I found don't tend to eat much or enough protein, mm-hmm. um, which is another mm-hmm. one I think is interesting to look at. And then also, 
along the back of that, some people explore the protein thing and think, actually, my body doesn't suit eating that much or that little. Yeah. So I think those are two things that are quite... And then water is another one. Yeah. So yeah. people are chronically dehydrated. I mean, I think I think when I work with, with my clients, I'm not, I'm not so much super concerned, particularly in the beginning, mm. with what it is that they're actually eating. It's more about um, the thinking behind their choices, mm. right? So it's not so much their choices, it's the yeah. thinking behind the choices. I would agree, I mean, just speaking for me personally, I know eating fruit and veg and drinking more water makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Like, And that's not that's from a, a kind of diet, <laughs> sort of weight control, food control aspect. Mm-hmm. It just plain makes me feel better, yeah. right? Um, so your hormones are going to be balanced. Yeah, Gen- for, or mean, more balanced generally. Like, for whatever reason, it just um, it just makes me feel good. But um, the reason that I, I don't really work so much with my clients on sort of out and out nutrition from the very very outset, although it does we do get there, is because I find most of my clients know far too much about nutrition. Mm. But most of them, not all of them. But most of them, and that in itself becomes a problem, mm. right? There's only a few clients that maybe I need to really kind of go into, as you say, the basics of nutrition. Yeah, like, yeah. like you know, yeah, of course you're going to feel hungry like an hour or two hours after lunch if it's purely just like lettuce leaves, tomato and cucumber. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to have a well-rounded plate yeah. in order to just feel full and get some energy yeah. and feel full for longer and stabilize your energy levels. So... Like, yeah, there's that kind of basic stuff comes into yeah. it. But for the most part, most of my clients are, like, super clued up on nutrition to the point that it's, like, what's healthier, kale or spinach, you know? And it's, like... Wow. It, yeah, and it's, like, really, you know, it's it's more about the intention behind what you're having rather than what it is that you're actually having, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So if you're choosing a salad because it's, like, the food that makes you thin... As opposed to like, I don't know, the sandwich, which is the food that makes you fat, all quote unquote here, um, then I really don't care if you eat the salad or the sandwich. But what I do care about is what's going through your mind as you're making that choice. Mm. Um, Interesting. Do do you see what I mean? Yeah. So it's like... I'm already thinking, I'm like, what have I chosen to eat today? (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, intuitive eating essentially is, is getting to the point where you just feel completely at peace and at ease with your choices and it's not mm. motivated through what's going to make me thin and what's going to make me fat it's mm-hmm. motivated from a point of view of what do I really want what's going to make me feel good mm-hmm. mm. does that make sense yeah that's interesting yeah and, and the statistics show although you know that does sound a bit kind of like throw caution to the wind have whatever you want and there definitely is a period of that um of you know maybe eating all the foods that you kind of forbidden yourself from having for mm-hmm, so long mm-hmm. and that can be anything like that can be the obvious like cakes and chocolate but it can also be like really bizarre food rules of like mm, no avocado pa- or something yeah like no avocado or like no white pasta or no bread after 6 p.m or like these yeah, you yeah, know yeah, these yeah, yeah. rules that, that essentially have been picked up from like every diet you've ever mm-hmm, been on mm-hmm. or every magazine you've ever read and really, when you put them all together, none of them make any sense. It's just like a bit of this and a bit of that. Yeah. Um, but people live by these um, and it's stressful. And, you know, and this is what I'm saying about like, why stress about having the kale or the spinach? The stress of making that decision outweighs 
any benefit of the kale or the mm, spinach, you yeah. know? So it's about um, having ease with your decisions and making them from a really authentic place as opposed to, like, abiding by all these crazy rules that we yeah. can living by. That's so interesting. So yeah. a few things. Um, one, when you were just talking there about sort of the rules that are given to us, the marketing thing is something that I, like has for years annoyed me so much. Like, how companies are allowed to... Like, supermarkets, I think, are the worst. Mm. Like, you go in and it is, like, all the stuff that we know... I know this is not necessarily to do intuitive eating, but actually, when you actually then go to buy food... Yeah, like, the what is there? That yeah. Yeah, 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 You, like, come in and you're like, oh, mm, there's the vegetable aisle, right? Ideally, they always put it at the start. Yeah. So that, like, psychologically, you're like, oh, I've done my good bit, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. of eating. Mm-hmm. And then you go through and pick up all your other stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, like, at the start of the festival, you've got, like, one pound Kit Kats and da 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 and all yeah. these things. Yeah, No, Nothing bad about Kit Kats. But, do you know what I mean? It's, like, yeah. we have all these things shoved in our faces of, like, this... And, and then also the way they're marketed. So, things like... Things, um, like, on the label of a yoghurt, like, guilt-free. Oh, like that, that's, yes. like, one of the yeah. things that drives me the most insane. Yeah. Like, it's basically what you're talking about is, like, moralising food. Mm. Like, making foods, good foods and bad foods. Yeah. Which is something that I talk a lot about. And it's, um, so we, in this world, we call it food neutrality. Meaning, like, yes, a Kit Kat compared to, like, the kale is nutritionally very different. They mm. have very different nutritional profiles, right? Yeah. But morally, they should be exactly the same. Mm. Morally, in that, like really to have peace and freedom with food it's not about feeling virtuous for eating the kale but similarly it's not about like feeling like crap because you have the yeah. Kit Kat yeah. they all have a place in our our life yeah. right but the more you kind of villainize certain foods or feel guilt or shame surrounding certain mm. foods guess what's going to happen you're going to want more of them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right it's mad why do we do that as humans yeah like, the, um, most of the symptoms that my clients um, suffer from is emotional eating and binge eating. Those mm. are the two things that, that really, f- more so binge eating, pretty much only happens to dieters. Yeah. If you speak to a quote-unquote normal eater, somebody who has never really fallen into the trap of, of dieting, um, they're the people that can like open, half, like open a cereal bar, eat half of it, put the other half in their bag and forget it's even there. Yeah. Like those kind of people really are never going to binge eat. Mm. Because binge is just like, binging is just a, a physical or, or a psychological reaction to like restriction. Mm-hmm. So furthermore, you restrict, mm-hmm. I, and whether that's like calorie counting, whether that's like cutting out food groups, whether that is um, simply just like monitoring everything that you have and having these forbidden foods, um, the, f- the more you're caught up in that, the more you're likely to binge. Yeah. I relate to that so much. Yeah? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I, I've, I've always been a... Um, I wouldn't say purger, but binger. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. And I still do it. Like, but I'm, I, I'm also much more aware now of what I'm doing and when yeah. I'm doing it. Yeah. And I actually can now stop myself. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that awareness. And that, like we said before, it's a journey. Yeah. Like, I know for a fact it's not, I'm not just going to, I don't think I'll ever be a normal eater necessarily. Mm. Maybe it will one day. Who knows? But... Um, Maybe now that you're not working in a gym, you're going to have a fighting chance. Oh, I don't know. I think my I think it's gone worse because, um, like you say about the control yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. Before I had a very strict like I gave myself a very like strict routine. Yeah. 
not a strict routine, strict's not the right word, but I had a routine, yeah, for starters. Um, and so, you know, I'd be in the gym at X time and I would, I had all my eating stuff planned out. Yeah. And like knew I was eating. And then also I was doing so much exercise. Yeah. If I did one day, I was like, oh, I'm going to have a couple cookies. We can have, you know, things that are higher calories yeah. and lower nutritional dense foods. I wouldn't necessarily feel guilty about it because I was like, I'm teaching next to spin class and going there and it's fine. Yeah. Like I'm going to still be healthy and yeah. fine. But, um, but now my job is totally sedentary and I'm, yeah. I'm having to work a lot harder to like, cause I did put on weight mm-hmm. or weight. I didn't weigh myself, but you know, I put on extra body yeah. fat when I started a new job because yeah. I'm sitting down a lot more, yeah. obviously it's science. Yeah. And so it's then I'm still getting that, finding that balance back between one, what I'm eating and what I'm exercising, but then mm-hmm. also the guilt around it. Yeah. So like, in a corporate type of job which you will have done this yourself it's like when you go to like big events you've got conferences there's just food and drink everywhere and for someone like me I'm like free food (laughs) you know and it's then just thinking it's okay you can have like one snack you don't need ten so yeah I definitely am still finding that balance back and you would think after coming out of the gym it would be easier but I'm finding it more difficult yeah way more difficult yeah well it sounds like when you were working in the gym you had this really kind of controlled environment Mm. you you kind of everything was planned you you, Mm -hmm. you knew kind of um yeah you kind of had it under control oh yeah this is so funny the word control I'm like (laughs) I'm not controlling what yeah but (laughs) but then you take you put yourself in a completely different environment and it's like it's it feels scary when like Mm. you don't have that control anymore like this is the thing like I was saying to you earlier we all just want to like dieting is like the ultimate way of trying to control things yeah um you know control our bodies control our foods therefore like control how people see us Mm. they respect us if they like us if they love us and then other people's opinions then it's like if you if you don't have high levels of self-esteem you're looking for that like external validation in order to like validate yourself Mm -hmm. right so yeah and that and that's where like the body image work really comes in because I always say to my clients you can't really work on your food issues in isolation you kind mm-hmm. of need to work on the body image stuff as well because yeah. like what I was saying to you about getting to a point in intuitive eating there's like 10 principles in the intuitive eating world um it was just to give you a bit of background about that it it was Intuitive eating was kind of pioneered by two registered dietitians in the States back in the kind of mid-90s, and that's when they first wrote their book, Intuitive Eating. It's been updated many times since, but it's still considered the kind of Bible of intuitive mm. eating. And um, one of the principles whereby you give yourself permission to, to really eat all foods, including all the kind of forbidden ones, that's a really hard step to take if you haven't done the body image work, right? Mm. Because your fear, your underlying fear is, well, if I have no rules and I can eat whatever I want, I'm going to get fat. Mm-hmm. So the body image work alongside is like becoming... Um, the work kind of allows you to become less fat phobic and Mm. less kind of okay with the fact that if you put on weight as a result of having a normal relationship with food then that's kind of really where your body's meant to be at like Mm. in the intuitive eating world we have this really kind of strong belief about about um set point weight theory which is the theory that Mm. like everyone's born with like a genetic weight basically Mm. as an adult so um 
you know, you and I could eat exactly the same food. Mm-hmm. We could we could move our bodies in exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. So looking at the the really kind of old fashioned and out to date calories in calories mm-hmm. out kind of um, paradigm. You and I could have exactly the same, but our bodies are going to be totally different, right? So we all have different bodies. And this idea that if we all control our food a certain way and we all move a certain amount, Mm. we're all going to be the same size Mm -hmm. is crazy, right? Our bodies are all different. And um, it it really is, is, yes, it has to do with eating and movement, but it has to do with so many more things as well. Hormones being probably one of the, the biggest ones. Oh, yeah. Um, and that set point changes throughout our life, right? So that was what I was going to speak to you about as well, yeah. Yeah, so although we have this set point weight, it's not a fixed weight. Firstly, mm. it's, a, it's a range kind of within about like 10 to 20 pounds, but it changes. So like when we go through puberty, it changes. When you, you know, have a baby, it changes. When you go into, um, like when you grow older, into, into old age, your body changes mm-hmm. again. Through menopause, it changes. Yeah. So like your set point changes all the time and we never know what our set point is. The only way you really can know what it is, is if you heal your relationship with food. So you're not restricting, you're not binging. I'm not going to say not emotionally because even people with healthy relationships with the food still emotionally eat. Yeah. Um, but once you kind of aren't going through that turmoil of, of sort of um, erratic food, um, you're probably naturally going to find your um, your set point weight. Yeah. And um, it's it, it, your set point weight might not be your kind of ideal fantasy goal weight. Oh, yeah. There's hmm. a discrepancy, yeah. right, between where your body just like, like when you're not screwing around with your food mm. and your health, work, you're living a quote unquote healthy lifestyle, your body's going to be what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think the unhappiness and the stress and the anxiety that we feel is because where our body naturally wants to be may not be where we psychologically and emotionally yeah. want it to be. So that disparity, disparity between like goal weight and, mm. and your natural weight. Yeah. Yeah, and literally that's so fast anxiety, which must be so down. even much harder for because I've never, I've probably don't think I've ever been necessarily diagnosed with an eating disorder. Probably have had one, but the or still who who knows the um when you're saying about set point weight, I had for years because at one point I was like restricting big time, mm-hmm. doing a special K diet, would not re- recommend. Wow, it to that's a good oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> Real gives you everything wide range of every, all everything you need, um and also training for a ma- half marathon so yeah. like when you're talking yeah. about calories in calories out like <laughs> yeah. oops um, and so my set I put this number in my head of like mm-hmm. 54 kilos mm-hmm. which for my height is well clinically probably very unhealthy and also just for me yeah like when you say about set point but I yeah. know now after playing with it all and doing all sorts of different types of training I, sh- I should be about seven kilos heavier than that yeah naturally and obviously yeah. I've been heavier because I've done powerlifting, gained a lot of extra muscle and fat yeah. through that sport, and then now doing all sorts of different stuff, and so I'm lighter. And it's yeah. it's so interesting that that the set point, and I think weight as well is something that a lot of people struggle with, mm-hmm. um, with where I want to be, where I should be. So it is quite interesting that then if you figure out what you your body naturally is. Yeah. And, 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 okay and doing it. the work to, as you say, exactly, get okay with it. Yeah. Like, how can you just get okay with it and, and, and find a degree of self-acceptance? Mm. Um, that's, like, some of the hardest work that you can do. But truly, that's where peace and freedom lives. Mm. Like... One thing I was going to say there, so... Um, this is something I used to speak to a lot of my clients about. About So, it's body confidence is one thing. So, 
like being confident in your own body, whether it's in clothes, out of clothes, in a bikini, whatever it is, but to yourself. But then also I think a lot of it's for other people as well. Mm -hmm. But then once again, that's always mirrored back to, you don't, like you just said a second ago about, um, you know, wanting love, wanting to feel safe and wanting that external, you know, so for, you know, your husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever to say, oh, I think you look great. You know, and that yeah. that is an external thing. But if you really feel good in yourself, yeah, who cares? Yeah. Um, and obviously we want to be loved and da da. da. Yeah. But I always have had this thing. You know what? This is probably a bit sad, but I think it was maybe Beyonce or someone. It was a quote from, uh, and it was essentially that one of the most confident things a person can be. Oh, sorry, one of the most attractive things a person mm-hmm. can be is confidence. It's confident. Yeah. And so regardless of your shape or size, and you see men and women of all different shapes and sizes. Yeah. And you think, oh, I couldn't rock that. Like, how they're wearing that or how they're walking yeah. or the size they are or yeah. the whatever. But you can. Like, they are doing it because they obviously it's, have that confidence in a, themselves. Body confidence is a state of mind, right? Mm. It's not how your body looks. Like, your mm-hmm. body can be any shape or size. And you can have body confidence. Yeah. It's a state of mind and a, and a level of acceptance. Mm. Um, it, you know, and that, as I was saying to you earlier in my... my um, body positivity yoga classes that I take it's a whole spectrum of body shapes and sizes but everyone there has body inhibitions and yeah. for the most part negative body image it's not just reserved for people in bigger bodies it, mm. it affects everyone oh, right yeah. and this is where fat phobia comes in it's like if we treat people in larger bodies terribly as we currently do the amount of stigma that is attached mm. to being in a larger body that doesn't just affect people in larger bodies it affects people of all body sizes Mm. because if you're a thin person and you see or even partake in weight stigma and body shame of people in larger bodies Mm. you're going to fear becoming that Mm -hmm. and that's going to screw with your food oh yeah yeah you know in your relationship with your body so you know it's something that you know the the kind of fat acceptance movement and fat activism, it's not just to, well, it is primarily to help people in larger bodies, but it really, it's going to, well, it's like everything. It's like any marginalized group, right? Like homophobia, like um, racism. It's like, if we can, if we can try and reduce that stigma, it doesn't mm. just help the marginalized group. It helps everyone. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. Living less fear yeah. for everyone. Yeah. Um, uh, you mentioned it before about so the coaching you do mm-hmm. I am interested to know how you because obviously before you just told me you were in, in interior design yeah and then you've moved totally to a different sector <laughs> really so similar you did, right did you do <laughs> like what yeah <laughs> but um, I was in IT before and then I was a PT and yeah. now I work in nutrition yeah. sales, so whatever yeah. who knows maybe I'll be a pilot next yeah. um the so with the, did you um do a course in coaching did you were you coached yourself did you how did you get in yeah so I, I did I um while I was still working as an interior designer I did firstly my um yoga teacher training yeah for um a year I trained in Hatha yoga um and then pretty much I would say even maybe before I'd even graduated from that I um did a um a certification in um it was a nutrition certification so I studied with IIN um the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York um for a year and got my coaching certification there 
Cool. Yeah, yeah. And I did all of that while I was working. And then, um, yeah, just about a year ago, took the the jump to quit the full-time rat race and and, and go with um, the yoga and the coaching and and truly the, the best thing I've ever done because... Um, you know, the, the yoga was so instrumental in my journey of body acceptance and ditching dieting and mm. recovering from you know, emotional eating and, and, and binge eating. Main, mainly, mainly I was a binge eater. Um, you know, I would, I would get up in the morning and I'd lay out my food on the countertop and I would look at it and be like, yeah, that's, that's an appropriate amount of food. And of course it wasn't. It was like an appropriate amount of food for a dieter um that I would have for the day and I would like pack it up and I would go to work and I would have it all eaten by lunchtime and then I would starve all afternoon and then I would get Mm. home and I would literally I I mean you'd ask my husband I would open the door I wouldn't even take my shoes and jacket off and I'd be in the fridge Mm. so interesting yeah I mean classic binge eating Mm. classic and really, I mean, not that I ever with any of my clients really talk about calories or counting calories, but if we really, it was so irrational that if you were to look at how much food I ate in the fridge in a binge <laughs> episode... In the fridge, and physically just, in it. Yeah, yeah, and I would just like, if you were to take that and just spread it out throughout the day, I probably would would have eaten less than what mm, I'd eaten mm-hmm. after the binge. Yeah, it's so... Um, it's mad, isn't it? The way you say, oh, I haven't taken shoes off. I did. I still do it sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and just like... But it's funny because I've done quite a lot of work on it myself and then and breaking down like what is going through my head right now. Yeah. Because it would be, you'd come in like, oh, I've been... Dri-, like now I'm doing a lot of driving, drive for miles, come in. And like it used to be the first thing I do, open every cupboard, like what am I eating? Okay. Yeah. And then just start putting stuff in my mouth. Yeah. And then you're like... Oh wait a minute! Yeah. <laughs> Why am I eating all this food? Oh wait, because I probably haven't eaten enough today. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oops. But I was I was <laughs> in that cycle for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 like I'm a fairly intelligent human being. Like Aren't we it just, all? It, it just was madness that I couldn't really. And then and then I discovered intuitive eating, and it, you know it all became very very clear mm. where my behaviours came from, and it was purely from a not just a physical restriction, not just like physically not eating enough food, but also like eating diet foods. So like mm. you could eat diet foods till the cows come home. Like I would live on like rice cakes and um, like carrot sticks and like that's not satisfying food. You're mm. like not going to be emotionally satisfied with that kind of food. So you can have mm-hmm. like enough calories, you can physically eat enough food, but if it's like diet food and not emotionally satisfying you're going to binge. Mm. So what would you say is an emotionally satisfying food? Well, now it's like I would have the carrot sticks, but I would like dip it in a tub of hummus. I was going to say, I was like, I love a a carrot stick. Or like I would have the apple, but I'd slather some peanut butter or some almond butter on it. Mm. Um, I, I wouldn't have the rice cakes. That, those were just cardboard. Those were I know. Rice cakes are a funny one. Like yeah. in the gym, it's like what everyone eats. And I'm like, I still don't... Yeah, anyway, that's probably just, you know, science. It's like, what we call in this stuff, world, like, diet culture. It's just like, it's just like all diet culture mm-hmm. um, in general. I, I, I say that. Know. I definitely used to do it myself. I haven't bought rice cakes for ages. Um, and now I remember why. Because they're crap. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're cardboard. <laughs> they taste but, like air. Yeah. But classic diet. food. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, 
And when you emailed me, and this is probably a difficult question, I don't know if you have a copy of all... You sent me some really interesting stats. Yeah, I did. Some um, statistics. Which I, I do. When I read through it, I thought, yep, yep, yep. And you know, some people will probably listen to these stats and think, whoa, no way. But yeah. from working in the, in, like, <laughs> the industry, in the fitness industry, yeah. and working with normal people from all the walks of life, yeah. that was quote marks there. <laughs> keep forgetting, people can't see what, what I'm doing yeah. there. Quotation <laughs> marks. Yeah. Um, the like so many different people from all walks of life like I know how many people struggle oh like big time yeah. with food yeah um yeah because I was like oh I thought it's me and there'll be a couple but no 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 like no most of my clients probably 70 percent like it's it's crazy like when I when I first um graduated with my health coaching certification I was kind of reluctant to go into such a kind of specific niche mm. of of health coaching um but it was the one that I so truly related to myself that it just there was no other question really um but I but now I kind of feel like yeah it's a tiny niche but it affects all of us mm. like it, it affects all of us so like I don't feel like I've kind of limited my market oh, I no. feel I feel like it's you know it's wide open yeah do you want me to read some yes the please too? okay so 90% of the women in the UK will have tried a diet sometime in their life yeah I think yeah I think we can pr- pretty much relate nine out of ten mm. women that oh, yeah. pass on the streets gonna have tried a diet the average women women in the UK will spend 17 years of our life dieting Mm. which I can believe but it's also quite sad yeah and it, but it, it kind of I suppose like when I use the term dieting I don't necessarily mean like a formal diet although you know I I, I have done pretty much all the formal mm. diets out there um, but what I mean is just living by diet rules right mm-hmm. like some of those things I said earlier like not eating bread after 6pm or yeah. you know not eating white pasta or whatever it is like that's dieting as far as I'm concerned it's, dieting is any way that you try and control like what when or how you eat mm-hmm. it's a diet um at, at any one time 95% of Brits are on a diet so that's men and women and increasingly this is happening to men mm-hmm. I only work with women but um it's increasingly a problem for oh for men. yeah and yeah. body just dis- we'll probably come on to it in a second but body dysmorphia is something that I think affects a lot of people yeah um myself included and um working with I've worked with so many guys and then also as in had colleagues that are guys in the fitness industry and yeah. most of gay guys that I know who are PTs have body dysmorphia. Yeah. Like, yeah. and then gyms are like you were saying a minute ago about um, having yoga studios with mirrors in them. Gyms are full of mirrors. Yeah. And like, yeah. why is that yeah. necessary? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll come back to that but yeah, I totally we'll agree come, with the men I, and I women. I think maybe actually the last statistic on my list is really going to segue us into to that, what you're just saying. Um, only 5% of women in the UK are happy with their weight. Mm, I'd believe that. And well, so sad. Yeah. Um, the success rate of a diet is anywhere between 2 and 5%, depending on the study you read. Mm. So that statistic is based over a five-year period. Mm-hmm. So pretty much any diet out there is going to have statistics on their success rate. But they never give stats beyond five years. Mm. They all they t- it tends to be like maybe a year or two years. Mm-hmm. But as we know, pretty much the majority of people who diet put the weight back on, and I think it's like a, something like I don't quote me on this, but I think I think it's something like a third of people who regain the weight actually put more weight mm. on mm-hmm. than than the, what they began in the first yeah. place. So we know they don't work. 
Um, but here's maybe why. The global weight loss and weight management market accounted for a value of $168.95 billion in 2016 and is projected to reach a value of $278.95 billion by the end of 2023. Mm. It's a huge, huge market. And that's not just, that's not like the health and wellness market generally. That's purely weight loss and weight management products and services Mm -hmm. so it's massive like there's it's a massive money making machine and that's one of the reasons that I think men are now starting to suffer because the industry have realized that actually they're they're reducing their potential income by 50% if they're only targeting women and actually if they make men feel just a shit about themselves then (laughs) they can capitalize on that too yeah um and it's it's this kind of like idea of making women feel like they should fit into a certain beauty standard Mm, right mm -hmm. and generally that's like small and thin and uh young um and but men have a very very similar kind of male ideal that they need to fit into Mm. which is like muscular and um you know um, masculine in terms of you know their role in society so it's 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 the same but different for yeah, them. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, and it, yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I've kind of gone on a slightly tangent here, but the talking about diets, it's funny, me and Carly were speaking about, this has been the chat for the last like two, three weeks about like the word diet in general and Carly was like, I hate the word diet. Yeah. Um, and it is interesting because all of us will have a diet as in we have to eat food yeah to survive yeah but then it's now the word diet has become this like almost like a short-term way of eating yeah so like I'm gonna yeah do this for a year six months or or whatever and you're right if there is a short-term thing on that okay I'm gonna do this until blah yeah until I lose x amount of weight or until uh, then that is always going to be a short-term thing that you inevitably can and will fall off yeah whereas when it's like so the way I used to always work with clients is like looking at the long-term habitual changes so like then yeah yeah things that you can then like the whole vegetables thing you know Mm -hmm. like that's one I would say easy it's not necessarily always easy but one very simple thing of like a habitual change rather than being like right and you're right when as soon as you're controlling all of that yeah that's when you're Oh, anytime I mean, you you use the perfect word, and I'm glad you used it. The word wagon, like the whole thing about intuitive eating, is you literally blowtorch the wagon. Like there is no <laughs> wagon, um, because as soon as you're on a wagon, you're ultimately going to fall off the wagon. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as you have this like on the wagon, off the wa- wagon mentality, as soon as you're off the wagon, that's when the guilt and the shame and the judgment comes mm-hmm. around. And that, for me, makes things so much worse, you yeah. know? Um, but by by sort of virtue of that, you can't really then, um, when you're on the wagon, sort of feel virtuous about yourself mm. in that um, you might... I was saying this to a client last night. Like, you... If you want to not have the, the sort of, quote-unquote, bad days of, like, shame and judgment and self-criticism, then you equally can't have the days of, like... I've done really well today. Mm-hmm. I've I've eaten really well today. Mm-hmm. It's like because then your kind of peace and freedom around food, it's not going to be a flat line. It's mm-hmm. going to be an up and a down and an up and a down. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if you are going to buy into the ups, then you're inevitably going to have the downs. Yeah. So it's just really about getting to a point where 
you just don't give a shit about really what you eat or how you move. It's intuitive. And statistically speaking, intuitive eaters, I think I sent you a link to, to a document of, I don't have the statistics on me, but generally speaking, all the markers of health, like blood pressure and cholesterol and BMI, and, and I say that sort of, I'm not a fan of the BMI measure, mm-hmm. um, particularly, I think it's outdated. Neither, but, yeah. um, but if you do want to look at that as a health measure, intuitive eaters score better on all of those things. Mm. So there is this big fear around intuitive eating is, well, if I throw out all the rules and I just like, you know, go with my intuition, I'm just going to eat like donuts all day long. And that may happen for a short period of time, mm-hmm. particularly if you've like excluded donuts from mm-hmm. your life, um, then that may happen. But ultimately, once you get past that and things regulate, intuitive eaters generally eat a lot of vegetables and fruit and they, they, they eat things that make them feel good and yeah. not because they're subscribing yeah, to a certain yeah, yeah. way of eating. Yeah, 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 totally. So... Um, it's interesting because a few things there. One, when you said about... I forgot to say it earlier, but about why am I picking this thing up? So now, obviously, we're travelling a lot of work. It's like, okay, I tend to go to places like Pret or eating things in... Um, airports to pick up food if I'm, if I'm having to do it on the go and now rather than going like okay because a lot of them show you the calories and I used yeah. to go there because they did yeah but now I'm Isn't like that interesting yeah but oh. now I still go to them because I, I know they've got the freshest food yeah generally um which is again kind of ties in with the calories thing but now I go because for a different reason yeah but now I'll go and think right what is going to nourish me today like mm-hmm. what because if I'm out to go on a flight yeah I don't want to feel like crap yeah. so I'm like that is gonna like the thing that's got lots of green stuff in it it's gonna make me feel yeah. better yeah. um and the other thing the kind of side note about the whole the diet word and things like that one side to all of this which um I think is probably an important thing to say because um if, if you have clients that you have coming in right um like for me I know I had a few PT clients who I actually would say you need more support than what I can give you. Like, so people who needed to go on like an elimination diet Mm -hmm. clinically for say, I don't know, Crohn's or trying to think, um, like Carly, we've been speaking loads about, she's got an autoimmune disease. So she's been um, going through all these type things where she's trialing things to see what fits her. And then once again, you have to then find what is going to fit for you Mm long-term, you know, because some people will need to for their clinical health. Totally like have a but it's not even a diet then it's like this is my lifestyle of eating yeah because it's and like if you have food rules because like you're allergic to something i was gonna say it's like intuitive (laughs) eating doesn't mean like peanuts if you're allergic to peanuts um that's like a basic self-care thing Mm, that you need mm -hmm. to have in place Mm. and intuitive eating works around that um but yeah just getting back to your point about um the gym um and your clients and like referring outwards what is really interesting to me, and maybe you can shed some light on this, but how diet culture really, really plays out in, we were talking earlier about gyms and yoga mm, studios and all the mm-hmm. rest of it. Um, and a lot of the time I work with clients, um, really work on the relationship with food and their, and their bodies. And, and I work with clients generally over a four month period, some, sometimes up to six months. So it's a long period of time um, mm. doing the work. And then I said to you, when, when I've, first came in earlier that a lot of my clients have either not moved like movement just has Mm, never been mm -hmm. a a big part of their lives or at least recently or they've been excessive exercisers from a weight management perspective right um so so whichever camp they're in we kind of work through all of that over the four month period and then they maybe want to either begin move i I like to call it movement rather than exercise Mm -hmm. um 
want to begin some form of movement, maybe for the first time ever, or getting back into it after a toxic relationship with exercise. And it's really hard to know where they can then go to be to feel safe and not be mm. sort of Im- immersed back into diet culture. Yeah, like I was saying, like you go, like you go into gym, you're surrounded by mirrors, mm-hmm. you're s- surrounded by slogans. Like my favorite one is. What was it I said you earlier? You said your sweat is just fat crying. Yeah, yeah. Like like that kind of thing, to me, just undoes, it sort of undoes all the work that that, that I've done with my clients over a four-month four period. So um, really what I say to my clients in the beginning is to maybe cycle or walk or do some home yoga or something mm. pretty much, unfortunately, in isolation in the beginning before you get can get to a point where you feel like you're not going to be triggered mm-hmm. by all the crap that goes on in, mm-hmm. in, in some, not all, but some of these kind of um, places. And in fact, recently, my own experience, and I've done a lot of work in this area of um, intuitive eating and body image, but I wanted to work with a PT. I never worked with a PT mm-hmm. before, um, but I, I wanted to start some strength training. Mm-hmm. So I went to my gym that I'm a member of and um, I spoke to the manager and he took me through like all the profiles are mm-hmm. on the wall he took me through all the different pts and was like this person's great at like sculpting this part of your body and this person's oh, really? great yeah and this person's great at like weight loss and this person's great at like if you want to become like an olympic lifter or so they all had like different yeah, specialities yeah. right but a lot of them was like about like changing changing your body basically and I hadn't told him the work that I did yeah, or like yeah, yeah. what my stance was on this kind, of, you, kind of issues yeah exactly but anyway there was one um girl there one PT that that I kind of liked the look of her liked her profile so I met with her and um I just from the beginning laid down the law and said I'm not here to change my body I'm not here to fix things yeah I'm here to just learn how to lift weights safely yeah and like maybe get some some strength from that and maybe you can help me with technique and and all that kind of stuff but I'm really here to just like move my body and feel good I don't want all the other kind of how I can change my body and want you to tell me what I should be eating I told her what I did for a living um, and she was massively supportive with that. That's she, so was, good. she was really good but I feel fortunate because I don't like maybe you can shed some light like it you've worked in a gym environment so like mm. is that the norm or do you find that most PTs are trained to kind of like you know fix or improve certain parts or is it just an assumption that everyone's there to change their body or to like get nutrition advice or whatever it might be oh so many things so yeah because I've worked I worked in gyms for about four and a half years and so for starters statistically they always send out most gyms will send out a like survey to all of their the members mm-hmm. um, and it's something that comes back and it is like 60% of people in gyms come because they want to lose weight Yeah. and so there's a lot of assumption put from say management in gyms to say yeah. this is what people want to do, mm-hmm. you as PTs can do that, boom. So it's then almost like a lesson that has trickled down Right. but I would say I mean I don't know what the stats would be like the amount of PTs I've worked with a lot of it is assumed that that's why people are there Yeah. but I think a good PT should always go into a consultation 
without that judgment. Yeah. So like I would always say, and I still do this with everything I do in life, is ask what someone wants. Like, yeah. why are you here? Yeah. What do you want me to do? Yeah. Because, um, yeah, like, as much as I said, a lot of my clients did want weight loss. A lot of them wanted to do, uh, to lose weight or whatever, lose body fat or whatever it was they said they wanted. Yeah. But then I would always say, why, 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 why? Yeah, like, yeah. what's the importance of that to you? Yeah. And some of them would say, oh, I want to go on holiday. I want to fit in a bikini or da, da, da. But then why? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why? Mm-hmm. And then once again, like you said, there's usually something much, much deeper than yeah. I want to fit in a dress from a friend's wedding. Yeah. Um, That's exa- such a good approach, like asking, the, as you say, the why and, and, and digging deeper and deeper mm. and deeper. Because when I ask my clients that when they first come to me and I say, you know, what ultimately is, is your goal? and most often the kind of words that are used are things like confidence freedom yes comfort like feeling comfortable in my own skin Mm -hmm. all those things and I look down the list and I'm like well you're not going to achieve any of them with dieting Mm -hmm. like you like what like what you think the route to finding all these things is through weight yeah but actually you can circumnavigate weight and achieve all these things yeah it's not dependent on weight loss or looking a certain way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right yeah definitely Um, I think that's really smart to Mm -hmm. dig to dig deeper into the why yeah and I don't think every PT does that yeah of who I've worked with I've probably worked I don't know, maybe with 40 other PTs mm-hmm. and maybe less than 10 would probably work the ex- similar way to me. So like when I've left, I've left two different gyms to like move house and move jobs and stuff. Um, and I would always pick people who I knew would do that Yeah. and have that like thought behind it yeah. because there will be a lot of PTs who maybe don't even understand that and they never have been in that place where mm-hmm. they've had issues with food in their own body. So for them, it's like, right, everyone wants to lose weight and that's fine and there doesn't seem to be an emotional attachment to it. But yeah. I think that's why I think when people go into the industry with the reason, like I went into the industry thinking like, this is what I've been through, this is my journey. I want to try and aid and help people who've maybe been through something similar, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that if someone's not been through that, they can't still help. Absolutely they can. But I think... Um, bearing that in mind mm. um, but it's it's in many ways I find it really quite sad that the exercise or movement is so heavily correlated mm. with with weight loss because um what we were talking about earlier about set point weight theory being that we're all born with a, a sort of genetic weight um which changes throughout our life and it's a range but essentially you're always going to bounce back to that Mm. so that statistic of like diets working between two and five percent at the time over five years you're likely you know the vast majority of people are likely to bounce back to their pre-diet weight or if not higher so if your only relationship with exercise is in the pursuit of weight loss Mm -hmm. then then i see in my clients that they're like well i've only ever really gone to the gym when i've been pursuing weight loss Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's such a missed opportunity because the benefits of exercise or movement, like mm-hmm. there's so many other benefits, yeah, right? Yeah. Particularly getting into mental health, but mm-hmm. also as we age, like strength and, and, yeah. and all that kind of thing that, that you miss out on when you so heavily correlate mm-hmm. it to, to weight loss. Yeah. And you're going to deem it as like, well, that failed, I failed because my, my you know, I put the weight back on and then you're like, you don't go back to the gym because it, it failed you in essence. Mm. But actually that's just your body doing its natural thing that it's like survival like Mm -hmm. your body doesn't want you to lose weight its job is to keep you alive and keep the Mm -hmm. fat stores you're gonna bounce back most of the time to your your pre-diet weight um but the gym can still be like a huge yeah benefit yeah um if you just view it through a different lens Mm -hmm. i think knowing the benefits of like 
all the different types of exercise as well and then finding something you enjoy like that's such a huge part yeah. of it like that is and I actually have had once again um which this is where it's like putting different PTs in different camps I know some people who would take a client regardless because of the cash I've had people who have turned away because they've come in and said right I'm here I want to lose weight help me and I'm like okay why 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 um and then okay why, why do you want to do it in the gym like have you done gym before is it something new to you do you want to learn about lift weight lifting weights is it like a medical thing and I've had probably a handful who've said no I hate the gym I find it really intimidating I don't like being here I find it really scary so I want you to be there with me and I'm like okay fine but if you hate yeah. the gym yeah. why is that your choice of exercise yeah what do you like doing oh I love dancing I used to go to Zimba Zimba but I had my class teacher moved I'm like well, if you love dancing go and dance yeah quit your gym membership That's so interesting you know it's like how yeah if you know if you don't enjoy being, and yeah. I I'm not gonna lie I've been as PT for years and I well, quite a lot of the time don't enjoy the gym either mm-hmm. but I will minimum go twice a week because like you say I know for me, like I've had multiple injuries and it stops me being in pain. Yeah. And also I know as I get older, I want to maintain a bit of muscle mass. Yeah. So even if the days I don't enjoy it, I do my 30 minutes, they're there, done. And then I have other exercise I can yeah. do. Like I love climbing hills. Yeah. I love walking. I love yeah. running and stuff. Other stuff I like to do because I just enjoy it and yeah. it keeps me generally healthy. So it's yeah. like, that is another battle in itself. I think everyone has this idea um, and Dr. Rongan Chatterjee, have you ever heard? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, love yeah. him, obsessed. Yeah. Like, read both his books and listened to his podcast. But yeah. he spoke about exercise and he was like, from a doctor, he was a GP and, yeah. or still is, I'm not sure if he still does clinics. Um, basically, said, I think everyone should just quit the gym, quit their gym membership and do something else, like find yeah. something they enjoy. Yeah. Because, yeah, that can, it can be a very toxic environment. And also, when you look at just be, generally being healthy, like, movement can be so many things like it can be you know getting off the bus on the way home from work and walk a little bit yeah. and take the stairs instead of the lift like that is exercise but when you look at it as movement in general if you sit at a desk for eight hours a day yeah. getting up and going for a drink every like hour or so like yeah. that's movement yeah. and all these little things you incorporate into your life like that's a better way of looking at it for the whole day rather yeah, than thinking yeah. rather than going okay I've got a gym membership I've been to the gym 30 yeah. minutes for three times a week that's my exercise done in quote marks done for the week yeah. and then you just sit on your ass the rest yeah. of the week and yeah no doubt you're you know yeah. all your health markers are going to go down and you're not going to feel good and blah blah yeah. blah and so, it's also like getting back to like although I'm an intuitive eating coach, like essentially what we're talking about is intuitive living. Oh yeah. So doing a Love type that of, phrase. Yeah, like doing a type of movement that feels good to you, that feels mm. enjoyable to you mm. and not having these rules surrounding movement um, mm-hmm. that you feel obligated to do. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and I think, I mean, I think that's a life lesson you can take way beyond food and exercise, mm-hmm. right? Like dropping the shoes and musts and, and all mm-hmm. those kind of rules mm-hmm. and actually just live a bit more intuitively. Yeah. Um, it's probably going to be a lot healthier. I mean, I think one of the statistics that astounded me, and I think it was actually Rongan Chatterjee at the Wellbeing Festival, oh. um, maybe first introduced me to this statistic, but it's something like between 75 and 90% of GP appointments are dealing with conditions oh, yeah. born from stress. Yeah, yeah. Right? So if stress is the thing that's, like, killing us, my argument is, like, drop the musts and the shoots and the guilt and mm-hmm. the judgment and the shame and do things that you really enjoy and mm-hmm. dr- drop the food rules and 
eat intuitively, move intuitively, and I'm sure the stress levels will. I mean, uh-huh. for me, like, I, it was so weird because I I dieted as a form of control because my job was so stressful, um. But ultimately, the dieting just piled on the stress mm-hmm. because it was more rules, it was more things I was failing at. Yeah. Um. And actually, you know, just dropping dropping the dieting was just a huge. A huge stress relief in itself along with yoga yeah so, i know yeah. both of us are huge advocates of yoga me and carly yeah. keep bringing up yoga as well if you've not tried yoga before and you're listening to this <laughs> go and give it a bash and we both just said trying to find a teacher that you really enjoy is one of the biggest things but try a couple of different styles and yeah. amazing um we should wrap up because we've been chatting we could do this all day almost an hour for, of chat oh my goodness. i know hilarious i, I feel like we it. have more to talk about we'll, <laughs> yeah. take it, we'll take it offline but um thank you so much for listening if you're still listening amazing amazing um, and hope you've taken something from today um, I feel like I've taken loads away yeah um, and yeah it's just so nice to talk to someone who has similar vibes which is so good thank um, you and could you just briefly tell us where we can find you so yeah. if someone wants to come and see so you so my website is just jillianmccollum.com jillian with a, a g um, I'm on instagram jillianmccollum uh, on facebook so yeah you can on my website it has Details about my health coaching program, which I do by um, Skype or by phone. So you can be anywhere. I can be anywhere, which is awesome. Um, And I also have my body positive yoga classes on a Monday night at uh, Tollcrafts. Amazing. Okay, thank you so much. And we'll put all the details of that in the show notes. Awesome. (laughs) Um, And yeah, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you. All right, see you all next week. Bye. Bye.